you may be seated. Well, good morning. Boy, if you can truly say that God has been nothing but good to you, just say amen. Amen. What a, what a wonderful way to start our service today. Just a great reminder of the Lord's faithfulness. And good morning. We welcome you here to Cross Timber. It's good to see everyone, and we're glad that we have the opportunity on this sunny Sunday to worship together as we sing together, as we pray together, as we study God's Word together. Just welcome you in the name of the Lord. If you are visiting here with us this morning, whether it's your first time or your second or many more, we are glad you're here. It's our pleasure to have you as our guest, and we hope you feel at home. If you're a regular folk, um, it's good to see you again, and I hope you've had opportunity before the service to welcome each other, to shake some hands, and tell people that you're glad to see them, and also just feel free at the end of the service to take opportunity to do that. Don't feel like you have to rush out, but take opportunity to visit and fellowship with one another. If you are a visitor this morning, we are so glad you're here, and we'd, we'd love to just be able to communicate with you. And in the bulletin, there's a little card called the Connect card. It's a great way to um, let us know how you would like to be contacted, whether by phone, email, or regular mail, and you can just indicate on that card and put it in the offering plate. Also, if there's questions you have or maybe a prayer request, just jot that down on the card and put it in our offering plate in just a moment. And just if you do share our prayer request, we ask you would let us know if you would like us to share that over our prayer email. We send that out so folks can be praying. But if you would rather us keep that um, just in the church office, we're happy to do that as well. But just mark those and put it in the offering plate when we um, pass it around. just want to mention a few things before we um, read together from Hebrews chapter 6 and take an opportunity to pray. Uh, First thing is, um, if you are in the... In kindergarten through the fifth grade, today is a very exciting day. Um, Right after the service, um, which probably in your minds won't be able to get over fast enough, um, there will be a pizza party. So um, Mr. Rich and Miss Sue, along with Miss Cindy, are hosting a pizza party for their their Sunday school classes, and so it will be a great opportunity for them to enjoy some food and some fun. And So parents, um, hope you can make arrangements for your kids to be a part of that. Um, kindergarten through fifth grade, and it's over at about 2 o'clock. Also, just want to mention our Wednesday activities. Um, the weather is going to be nice, so we shouldn't have any um, interruption in our schedule. But let me just remind you, at 11 o'clock, we gather together for Bible study. We uh, sing um, together, we pray together, we study the Word together, and we enjoy lunch together. And that lunch is at no cost to you if you want to be a part of that. Um, there's no age limit. There's no... Um, If you are able to be here and would like to be here, we'd love for you to be here with us at 11 o'clock on Wednesdays, and we're usually finished eating about 1 o'clock, so it's a good opportunity to fellowship and enjoy a meal together. Um, Youth um, gather at 6 p.m. on Wednesday evenings, and they'll meet this week, and then prayer meeting starts at 6.30, and we would love for you to to join us as we pray, um, not only for our church, our community, but also for our world. That's um, this Wednesday. And then, men, finally, this Tomorrow morning, 6.30, Elk Diner is men's breakfast. Um, If you haven't had an opportunity to join us, we'd love for you to take um, a chance to come enjoy a meal around the table with us, enjoy a time of fellowship and prayer. And that's at 6.30 at the Elk Diner. Um, Undoubtedly, you've all had um, opportunity to 
to read about, listen to, or, or through other means um, hear stories about the, um, the conflict, um, the invasion um, that is ongoing in um, the nation of Ukraine, an independent um, country that was, um, was attacked or invaded by, um, by Russia. And literally Christians around the world are gathering together um, in places of worship to cry out to God on behalf of that nation. And um, this morning as we, we pray together, we're going to pray especially for that country. But I'd, I'd seen something on, on Facebook. Someone had posted a, a video of a family um, gathered together in their home singing um, a song to the Lord. Um, you may have heard the song. You may not have. Um, but the song was written by the Gettys, Keith and Kristen Getty. And the song is called He Will Hold Me Fast. Now, now the video is, is saying in their native language. Um, but I want to just read you the first verse in the chorus um, to, to set the tone as we read from Hebrews chapter 6 together and we go to the Lord in prayer. Um, they write these words, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful past, path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. It's a beautiful song of a great reminder of truth, of the sustaining power and the faithfulness of our God. So would you just join with me together as we read from God's Word, Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 13, and I'll read through the end of, of the chapter. The writer of Hebrews writes these words, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Would you just join me this morning as we pray not only for ourselves, but also for the country of Ukraine. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our sure and steady anchor. An anchor that is for our soul. An anchor that offers hope, security, and assurance. We thank you for the unchangeable nature of your character. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you always speak truth. And we thank you that whether we are believers gathered here in Burleson, Texas, or there are believers gathered in the Ukraine, 
or in any part of the world, but you are the anchor that holds fast. And this morning, in the moments that we have, we've especially turned our our hearts and our minds to pray for, for the country of Ukraine. We pray for their president and their leaders, that you would give them wisdom and boldness in the days to come. That you would provide protection and strength and courage for the soldiers who are defending their country. And for the soldiers that are that are fighting on the other side, that, Lord, you would put in their hearts the spirit of, of rightness, that they would do the right thing for the right reasons. Pray for those that are displaced, those that are fleeing, trying to escape, families that may be separated, those that are looking for safety, that they would find their refuge in you. Pray for surrounding countries that are taking in folks, for churches that are opening up their doors, that you would just give them the supplies they need, that you would help airplanes to land in countries like Poland so that resources and things could get to the people that need it. God, that people that are that are frustrated, they're scared, they're seeking shelter, that you would give them a clarity of mind and help them to, to make wise decisions guided by you. Father, I pray for, for peace in that country, Lord, not just politically, but also that the peace that passes understanding, the peace that comes only through Jesus would reign in the hearts and minds of people. That believers would continue to live in in the comfort and the peace and the strength that they find in you. They would have opportunities to share about the source of that comfort and strength with those around them. And God, that you would raise up leaders in the churches and missionaries that are there with just an empowering by your Spirit to meet the needs that are there. God, we look around the world and we see places where there's conflict and heartache. And God, we know that you are the solution. And so God, we are asking you to intervene, to do what politics and military might, diplomacy cannot do. And Lord, that's the change, the hearts of men. And Lord, as we call out to you and we trust you to do this, help us to not grow weary in our prayers. Not only for other places like Ukraine, but also for our our place here, our country here. Lord, that you would bring revival to our churches. And you would revive and renew the hearts of, of ministers. Lord, you would rekindle the, the smoldering coals into fiery flames and that pulpits would preach your truth throughout this land and that you would just light a fire in our churches. Lord, that we would see that the day is evil, the time is short, and that there is an urgency to share the good news, that we would do it with love and with boldness everywhere we go. And God, we thank you for the, you, the truth that you've blessed us with so many things and that we have the privilege to share that with others. We have a privilege to give an offering and our ties to you. And as we do that, help us to do it with glad and generous hearts that we would give not only of our, of our money, but of our very lives for you and for you alone, and that you would take what we have and you would use it for your ministry here and wherever you choose. Lord, we look forward to worshiping you this morning as we sing together, as we take our offerings, as we study your word. And we thank you for your presence. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, and we pray in his name. 
Amen. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I wanted to tell him something. I, this song, uh, I'd love to tell you I wrote by myself, but uh, it came to me a few weeks ago. I was having problems with it, so I brought it brought it to Curtis. So this song I'm going to say was written by Larry Beck and Curtis. And it's going to sound kind of silly because it's about a caterpillar, right? Uh, I would love to tell you that I saw a caterpillar morph into a butterfly, but I'd be lying. It just came to me. So this song is about a caterpillar, and uh, thank you, Curtis, for helping me. And Landon, you're not up here, so I'm not going to thank you. <laughs> now, go ahead. Just passing through, just like that caterpillar. One day I'll be brand new, and I'll be with my Jesus right where I belong. And I know if this is true, for my faith is strong. Like 
stand and sing with us this morning.
have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 20. Sorry, I was just pausing for a moment so that my pulse rate could slow down a little bit. That song's kind of exciting. Most of you don't really know when I'm excited because it's not much different than um, what my normal demeanor is. Um, in fact, I might be angry right now and you not even would know it, but I'm not actually. Um, but Matthew chapter 20, we'll start reading in verse number 20 in just a moment. But I wanted to ask you a question this morning. In your mind, what makes a person great? If we were to ask the average person on the street, they might say something like, well, it's money. They have a lot of money. Well, maybe they're famous. They're on television or they're a sports star. Or maybe it's someone that has power. You know, the, a government leader or somebody that is, owns a lot of businesses, or maybe it's their social status. We would look at those people and we would say, that is a great person. And each one of those things is, is easy for the world to measure. We can look and see how much money someone has. We can see by how many followers people have, whether or not they're, they're famous. And based on these qualities... You know, great people would include television, celebrities, athletes, politicians, businessmen. People that would be remembered for things that they achieved. How much they have or how much power they yield. But Jesus shares a message that is totally opposite from the world. He speaks about a kingdom that is not based on money, fame, power, or social standing. A kingdom where the least would indeed be the greatest. In fact, before we read the Scripture this morning, I just want to tell you that this morning I would like to for us to focus on this one idea that true kingdom greatness in the Christian life comes through humble service. Now, you probably noticed, but we live in a me-first world. And in the midst of this me-first world, Jesus calls us to willingly be last and to humbly 
serve others. And he wants us to see that greatness comes not in trying to be great, but in simply being a servant. As we turn to our story today, we find Jesus and the disciples. He's just spoke about his death for the third time. And as they're traveling there, verse 20 tells us, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the drink are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to join together and study your word this morning. And we ask you would give us help by your Holy Spirit. You would bring the words to our hearts, to our minds, and that this word of life would come to life in our lives for your glory. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our story, we have the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, coming to Jesus, asking for her two sons to have a prominent place in his coming kingdom. And we look at that story this morning to understand greatness. And to do that, we're going to look at, first of all, the fact that the disciples and the mother of James and John misunderstood what greatness was. If you listen to the request, the mother says, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Now, like any mother, she wanted the very best for her sons, and her two boys were probably no different than any son in our day. Their mother would speak highly of them, would want them to have the best opportunities. And so she wanted them to have a place of prominence and authority in the kingdom that Jesus was establishing. However, she didn't really understand exactly what she was requesting. See, Jesus informed the mother and the sons that 
has be, to be a part of this kingdom meant that they would, would suffer. He offered, said that they would drink the cup that he would drink. They would indeed suffer for the kingdom. And that placement in the kingdom wasn't in his hands. It was only in the hands of God the Father. He alone would determine who had a place of prominence. He was the one that had all power and authority. And his standards would measure each person's position in his kingdom. Because you see, the world's view of greatness is, is centered around power and authority. People are impressed in our day by displays of wealth and power. Prideful, boasting men and women. Arrogant claims. And many would say that those are the strong leaders in our society. And these things, this type of greatness, seeks to build earthly kingdoms. Kingdoms that are defined by bigger, stronger, better. And in this environment, this me-first environment, people that live by these standards, the world standards, seem to, to rise to the top and they get the attention. And when we look at it, first of all, it, it just seems right to us. Well, yeah, that person deserves that. He he invented, you know, this or his his company has been so successful. Just about everyone in the world has, you know, his devices in their pocket or in their home or they drive around his cars or they stand and watch as his rockets are about to fly into space. And we look at those people and we say, those are the, the powerful people, the people of greatness. But what in the world could be wrong with that type of viewpoint? Like I said earlier, the mother and the disciples didn't really understand what greatness was, especially in his kingdom. You know, their thoughts were filled initially with thoughts about power and prestige and position. And surely somebody that would be in a position of authority in the kingdom that Jesus was establishing would be that kind of person, a powerful person, a famous person, an important person. And things really aren't much different today. We look for great leaders to do great things, and I'm not at all saying that we do not need great leaders. We just need the right kind of greatness in our leaders. And just like those disciples, we value being first. We tend to think that power and prestige are important. And we also, like they do, need a different perspective. And so Jesus, getting their attention by telling them that they would indeed suffer then gives them a really a stern rebuke. If you look there in the, in the verses we read, it, it says, you know, it shall not be so among you. Not in this kingdom. Not among you. You see, God's kingdom would be a kingdom where humility and meekness would replace pride and lording over others, exercising authority. That Jesus would change in his actions and in his life 
the way everyone looked at greatness. And so we see that greatness was misunderstood, but we also need to see that when Jesus came, greatness was redefined. See, when Jesus came, he announced that he was coming to establish God's kingdom. You'll see it also called the kingdom of heaven. Essentially talking about the same thing, just using different language. And this kingdom was both at the same time spiritual and physical. It had a purpose to give glory to God in all things. It would be defined by the rule and the reign of Christ, the King of kings. And it would reflect in every way the heart of God. And we read through the parables of Jesus that this kingdom is growing. And we find that this kingdom is never ending. It will reign forever. And greatness in God's kingdom is found in service and humility. It's not power and authority. Now this is a radical idea because in the first century, humility was looked upon as a negative trait. People were looking for those men of confidence, men of boldness. And still today, the Humble, meek people often are looked over. And Jesus gives us two different ways to look at this humble service. First, he says, in a me-first world, we should think of others before ourselves. Now, this would be something that would affect not only the elementary school line, if you think about that, who who didn't want to be the line leader? Everybody wanted to be the line leader. Me first, me first. No cutters, no cutters. Me first. Or the grocery store. Humans like to be first. But when Jesus came, he turned everything up Side down. If you listen to, to Mark chapter 9, verse 35, which the story parallels this, Jesus sits down the 12. Jesus sits down, calls the 12 to him, and he says, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Do you remember those times in elementary school when the teacher would let you line up like you wanted to? And everybody would rush, everybody would crowd, you'd push shoulders, and you would get you know, the person that would be in the front of the line and then the teacher, so wise and crafty, would say, okay, now little Billy, who is at the end of the line, you're going to be the front of the line. And she would reverse the line order. You know, all of a sudden we think we're first, but we find out we're really the last. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. The last will be first, the first will be last. That when we try to get ahead... It doesn't really advance us in God's kingdom. That it's through choosing to consider others more important than yourselves. In the verses we read today, Jesus says, Whomever would be first among you must be your slave or your servant. That serving others, not self-service, would be the main priority in God's kingdom. But second in these verses, we see that Jesus challenged his followers to choose to be a servant and not to be served. It's in the second part of verse 26. Whoever would be great also 
whoever will be great among you must be your servant. Now, I don't know of any person that dislikes good service. And probably most of us can recognize it. And equally, we can recognize poor service. But there's those opportunities when you get what you like, when you want it, and when you need it. And when those things happen, we feel important. We feel valued. We feel special. And if a place or a person does not provide good service, if we don't get what we want when we think we need it the way we want it or like it, we probably won't go back to that place. So we know what good service looks like, but Jesus is calling us to not look to be served, but to look for places to serve. See, he turns the tables around that we should be on the lookout for opportunities to serve other people. To give the needs of others a priority over your own needs. Or as the scripture says, that in love or through love to serve others. And through those acts of service, which can be very simple, cost very little, we have an opportunity to show someone that they are important, they are valued, and they are special. See, when we are a servant, we find value in God's kingdom. In another one of the Gospels, in the Gospel of John, John tells us a story of Jesus there at the Last Supper. That... During the meal, he gets up from the table. He takes a towel and a a water bowl. And he washes the feet of his disciples. Wow. Jesus, the Messiah, their master, performed the job of a lowly servant. Because you know what he did? He washed stinky, dirty What an example. I mean, think about that. Jesus washed the stinky, dirty, dusty feet of his disciples. He was their God. He was the Son of God. He was their master. What in the world was he doing washing their feet? When you read that story, especially for the first time, you're probably thinking the same thing. Wait a minute, what's Jesus doing? And you know the disciples were likely worrying wondering the same thing. And Jesus told them, and you can read his explanation in John 13, that because he washed their feet, it was an example that they should wash one another's feet. Told them that a servant is not greater than his master and that as his disciples, they should do just as he did. Washing feet. So in regards to this redefinition of greatness, let me just ask you a question, and you can answer it to yourself. Are you more likely to sit with your feet propped up or wash feet? Where do you find yourself more likely to be? 
Now, you may think that washing feet, now that's a pretty low task. And that's a great example of what it requires to be a humble servant. And I would probably agree. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He would go on to show the world the greatest example of service. He promised it. He told the disciples many times that it would happen. You see, Jesus not only defined greatness through service, his very life was the greatest example of service. And so we see in the third point that greatness lives. See, Jesus showed the greatness of service on the cross. Washing feet was nothing compared to the obedient walk to a cruel cross. Listen to verse 28 as he's talking about service. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What type of servant was this Jesus? He was the suffering servant that the Old Testament prophet Isaiah told us about who came to lay down his life for his sheep. He's the one that Philippians chapter 2 tells us humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He's the servant who came to give and not receive to give eternal life to those who would believe on His name, to give new life to those who would trust in Him, and to give hope to the hopeless. See, Jesus came to serve the entire world by becoming the sacrifice for our sins. He died so we could live. And although He was great, the greatest, He humbled Himself. Or as Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8, Jesus became poor so we could become rich. Not in the treasures of this world, but in the treasures of heaven. He died so a lost and dying world could have a personal relationship with God. And so Jesus is the perfect example of a servant. He was obedient. To the Father. It didn't matter what the task was, even to the point of death. He was humble in his actions. You find it all through the New Testament. You even find it in the words of Jesus I am gentle and lowly of heart. He was compassionate. He looked on people with compassion and care, he knew exactly what their greatest needs were. And he was willing to meet them. And Jesus loved and got involved in people's lives. Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, and many others. Because he came to serve, not be served. If you're like me, you look at this example, you read these verses, and you think, how in the world am I supposed to follow His example in our lives? This one that came to serve calls us to follow in His steps.
you, like me, with a selfish nature that wants to be served, that wants to be first, what can we do? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, the good news is His Spirit in our lives makes all the difference. The Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit of Jesus empowers us and directs us each day. He shows us what service looks like. Jesus did that, but also He puts His Spirit in us to help us to serve even when we don't want to. And when Christians choose to serve others in a me-first world, people notice. In fact, sometimes it's hard for people to understand. And you may hear them say something like this, I I don't really know why somebody would, would do this. I don't understand. And always remember that it, it doesn't have to be something that, you know, is great or costs a lot of money. That just simple acts that cost us little can have a big impact. I think I mentioned it last week, but just holding a door open for somebody or allowing someone to go ahead of you or just saying thank you. Those each make a big difference. See, when people that claim to know who Jesus is live like Jesus, people notice. I was reading in a book last week, and it placed this idea in the the terms of, you know, we have a calling as Christians to proclaim the gospel, to tell the good news. To warn people that there's a real place called hell, and apart from God, they'll be eternally separated from Him. But God made provision through His Son, Jesus, that when we believe on His name and turn from our sin, that He provides salvation. It's, just, it's our job as Christians. It's the Great Commission. That's the proclamation. But what I was reading said, the proclamation without incarnation is, is worthless. And what they meant was, is, is if you're a Christian and you say all the right Christian things, But your life is not a picture of the resurrected Christ. If you're not walking with Jesus, the world can spot a phony. I can't snap. I never could. But I would snap if I could. The world can spot a phony just like that. They can see, okay, what he's saying doesn't match up with the way he's living. Or what she's doing doesn't match up with what she says she believes. But when we choose to serve and love others in the world that we live in, people will notice. And based on this example, this life of Jesus, we have a choice to make every day. How will we live? Will we serve others or will we keep, can, keep on living to serve ourselves? Are we going to choose to try to Continue to be first, or will we willingly choose to be second or even last? Now, choosing to serve will mean sacrifice. I don't want to let you, I don't want to make you think that it's all easy. It will it will take time. It could cost you um, resources. You might be misunderstood or even made fun of. 
Sometimes it's a sacrifice of putting the needs of others before your own. Always remember growing up, my mom at mealtime was, I don't, I don't really know, and probably your mom was the same, I don't really know that she ever ate a hot meal um, because she was too busy getting the next thing on the table or this thing on the table or refilling a tea glass or getting this or getting that. And she chose to serve us. And once everyone had what they needed, she would finally sit down and and eat. Humble service is a lot like that. Looking out for the needs of other people. And when we do that, when we look out for the needs of others, God just has a way of making sure that our needs are met as well. Because although the world may think differently, true kingdom greatness is in the Christian life is found in humble service. And those who follow Jesus live a transformed life that shows these qualities. And over time, these qualities become more noticeable as we grow up in the faith, as we look a little bit more like Jesus. As we start to look more like the one who came to serve, not to be served. And so... As we get ready to close, you, you might be wondering, you know, where, where, where do I start or what can I, can I do? Let me just give you a, a few things to, to think about. The first thing is just to seek out the heart of a servant. If you recognize that you need to be a servant, the, the greatest thing you can do is call out to the one who is the greatest servant, and that's the Lord Jesus. And just ask Him, Lord, I, I want to be a servant. Because it's supernatural work. It's not natural work. That as we receive His love and His power, that He puts in us what we need to be a servant. When I was, when I was growing up, we, we would sing a song in church, and I'm not going to sing it. Um, but I will read it. I'm, I'm, I'm a lyric reader. But he's, but this song, um, and maybe you sing it. Maybe you sing it. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, lift, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant, make me a servant, make me a servant today. We seek the heart of a servant. And maybe we just need to ask God, make me a servant today. Now, this is a little pointed in the first idea. Those points that you see on the board don't match, but don't worry about it. Um, you can apply them if you need to. But um, make me a servant today. God, how do you want to use me today? What can I do in this little corner of the world that I live in to push back the darkness, to show the light of Jesus in my life? Or maybe you need to ask it this way. Who can I serve? And God will give you a person. will show you that person. And there's probably going to be more than one person. There's probably going to be somebody in your family. Somebody, you know, maybe in your job. Somebody in your neighborhood. 
But as we seek out the heart of a servant, as we ask God for opportunities to serve today, and we ask God to direct us toward that person to serve, we can trust the truth, that true kingdom greatness in the Christian life is found in humble service. And as the Savior served us, may we serve others in His love and His power. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we are grateful for your sacrifice that makes life possible, that gives us the opportunity to share in your love, to fellowship with you and to fellowship with others. We're grateful for your example, for the lessons that you taught and the truth of your word that we have. We're thankful for other brothers and sisters that are encouragement to us examples for us. Thank you that we have the opportunity to practice loving one another in a church family. And Lord, we ask that you would help us in this moment to see the great power and the value of our service. That through serving others, we look a lot like you. That through serving others, we show your love to a lost and dying world. That through serving others, we gain the opportunity and the credibility to share the reason for the hope that is in us. And that through service, we fellowship with you. We join together with you and what you're doing in this world. So Lord, help us. Make us humble servants for your glory today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we draw toward the, the end of our, our service, we're about to take time to sing together uh, a song and have an opportunity to respond to, to God's word. Maybe as we're, we've been studying today, you've been challenged around this area of, of service. Maybe God's given you a, an understanding, and maybe just through the, the time that you've had, you, you know the person, and you know the opportunity, and you're, you're excited, you're ready to step forward into that service. And, and today, just as we, we sing and we, we, we stand together, maybe it's just a time to commit that to the Lord and give Him thanks and praise for that opportunity. Or maybe you're still struggling with that inner self, that, that likes to be comfortable, that likes to have, you know, we all have this. It's not just one person. We like to have our feet propped up instead of washing feet. And maybe it's, God, help me, encourage me, strengthen me. Help me to see from your example and to trust in your power to, to fight against my flesh and to serve others. Or maybe as you heard the example of what Jesus did for the world in laying down his life, that maybe today you recognize the love of God and how much he loves you and, and you want to express that love back to him in trusting faith. Maybe there's a burden on your heart that you just need to cry out to God for and you can do that where you're sitting or you can do it at the front. Just trust that God speaks. His word doesn't return void and 
just ask that he would give us soft hearts to listen and to respond to his voice. Would you join in standing together and singing as we listen to the Lord? Curtis, I want to thank y'all because, you know, the, it says to sing a new song to the Lord. It tells us to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And, and I, I'm thankful for that. And, you know, we can sing other people's songs and be blessed. But when we sing songs that God puts on our heart, it's a special blessing. And so we appreciate that. Thank you. And don't stop writing. And that goes for the rest of you, too. And it goes for you, too. Um, you know, you may not see yourself as a songwriter. Um, you may not see yourself as a poet. But sometimes, you know, in our time of the Lord, the Lord just speaks. And um, write those things down. And, and you may not think it's clever. You may not think it's extra special. But sometimes the Lord may put it on your heart to share that with somebody. And if you, you want to do that, and maybe you don't have a guitar and you can't put it to words or you've written something down, you know, just throw it up to these guys. They can make music out of anything. And ladies, um, they can make music out of anything. And maybe another song will rise up out of just your time of the Lord and His blessing. Um, so just encourage you in that. Just thank you for, for being here. It's, a, it's always a, a privilege to gather together, um, to feel the, the warmth and the love of the fellowship. And just pray as we, we leave here today that we would allow the Lord to use us to be a blessing to someone today and tomorrow and the next day. And we look forward to joining back together next week as we worship together. We're going to sing um, as we close um, this afternoon. And um, when we begin to sing, um, you're dismissed. The Lord bless you. I belong to God. I belong to Jesus.